Hello, and welcome to the Language of Mindfulness podcast. This is a podcast for people who want to have more great conversations in your life. You want to connect, you want to speak authentically, and you want to listen deeply. This is how to do it, and it's the real deal. So why should you listen to the Language of Mindfulness? Because in every episode, I'm going to give you tips and guidance I've learned in my pretty extensive career of coaching and practice from the best and brightest in the field of interpersonal communications, public speaking, meditation, group leadership, and somatic psychology. And we're going to have interviews with some amazing people about their groundbreaking work. It's my goal to give actionable and uncommon tips and advice in every episode that you can implement right away. So subscribe or follow now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And if you don't listen, you're going to miss some great stuff that you just won't hear anywhere else. I'm your host, Brett Hill, and welcome to the Language of Mindfulness. So I'm really excited to welcome to the podcast today, Sam Thiara, who is a professional storyteller and a speaker, writer, educator, mentor, coach, entrepreneur, problem solver, and community activator. I mean, this guy has got it all going on. He has a, a, a very interesting story about how he has discovered the power of storytelling and has created his own organization to help um, get the word out and, and to excite people about the possibilities. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Sam. Oh, would be more than happy to, Brett. It's a pleasure to be here and hopefully share and Thank provide you. nuggets of information to your listeners. And what my realization is, is my life has been a journey and mm -hmm. there's been obstacles and there's been successes. And I've never feared the obstacles. I've embraced the obstacles because that all becomes part of my own personal narrative. It makes me mm -hmm. who I am today. Uh, the best way for me to describe myself is that there are five things that guide and direct me in life, not career, mm -hmm. but life and career. And these five things are things that I'm not willing to compromise. And they are servant leadership, story sharing, activator igniter, champion enabler, and community do-gooder. These five things have <laughs> enabled me to become all the things that you've just suggested, the speaker, the storyteller, mentor, coach, uh, entrepreneur, educator, problem solver, community activator, uh, it enables me. And the way that I think is really important is the moment that I stop thinking about what I was doing to who I am, clarity emerged. And that's where hmm. the, the foundations of my own personal storytelling emerged, because now I was reflecting as opposed to just doing. I love that so much because it is so completely aligned with um, insights that I've come to in my mm -hmm. own work. I, I, I hear all the time and in the clients that I get, they come in and they say, well, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed mm -hmm. to do? And I immediately, of course, because I'm a mindfulness coach, I like, well, let's focus on discovering who you are and then let what you do emerge out of that. And it sounds like that mm -hmm. you, you've, you've come to a similar conclusion. Well, and Brett, I like to call myself the difficult monk because people come to me <laughs> and I do about three to eight a week and it's been about 5,000 conversations, but most times people are coming to me looking for the answers to life. And I'm the difficult well, that, the small stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I always call myself the difficult monk because you're coming to me because you think of me as this orange saffron bearded man on top of a mountain. Well, <laughs> I'm difficult because I'm not going to tell you what to do. There's enough people telling you what to do. 
My role and responsibility is to ask you questions because that monk that you seek lies within you. Mm-hmm. And through those questions and through your own introspection and reflection, you answer your own questions. Hmm. So how do you help? I mean, so someone walks in the door and they say, hey, look, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know what's going on with life and I don't know what to do with myself. Mm-hmm. How do you get them to focus on mm-hmm. that process? Like, what's that process like? Sure. And, you know, when they when we start the conversation, it's looking at coming up with a key concept that I call the five core elements. In other words, which I shared with you, the five things that guide and direct me in life. But then Mm -hmm. I turn it to them and I say, what are five things that you are not willing to compromise in life Mm -hmm. and career? And now they're like, oh, well, what do you mean? And I share mine. And I always say that when you come up with five things that you're not willing to compromise, it now provides you the clarity because opportunities that emerge, you now compare it against these five. So in Mm -hmm. other words, I'm asking you to put the foundational piece down. In other words, to build a house, you need a solid foundation. We hire somebody to actually inspect the foundation. But when have we done that with our life? Now, the Mm -hmm. way that I do this, and and there is, people are concerned because they're like, you're making me pick five things. What if I don't pick the right words? Mm-hmm. I always tell them, I said, no, you can always change the words as you go through life and as experiences come in and, and things emerge. The way that I do this is I say, okay, think about the jobs you've had or the job you have. What do you like about it? What do you mm-hmm. not like about it? But the, answer, the, the key thing is why? What about courses that you did? Which ones do you like and don't like? Why? What do you do in your spare time, social time, your outlet? Why? And it's interesting because uh, in this exercise, somebody may respond, oh, well, one of the things I'm not willing to compromise that's so important in my life is family. I say, okay, why? And then they will say, well, you know, I feel really connected to my family, my extended family. It's the relationships I hold. So as they go through that, I then stop them and I said, okay, you use the word connectedness and relationships. Does that also apply to your work environment? And they're like, well, absolutely. Okay, does this apply to when you were in school? And they were like, oh, for sure. I said, can we replace family with relationships and connectedness? Because it's a much broader piece that encompasses mm-hmm. not just one category, but but is this one of the things that are really important to you? And they were like, oh, yeah. I yeah. Was, and I also tell Brett, I tell people, but also have a little bit of fun. I mean, I'm a community do-gooder. <laughs> Just a little bit, yeah. Well, a community do-gooder, according to Microsoft Office, doesn't exist because the red squiggly line's always underneath it. And I'm like, it does exist because I do it. <laughs> I remember I was helping somebody in Los Angeles, and uh, you know, she was trying to come up with the five, and she was telling me about what's important to her, and I was asking why. And one of the ones she mentioned was about how important the environment is, and she wants to be an active person in the environment, and I do this, and I do that. And I just replied back, so, oh, so you're an environmental ninja. And she looked at it, and she goes, oh, my gosh, can I use that? I was like, yeah, that's yours. Environmentalninja.com. Oh, man, she loved it. And and that's a way that she can now describe herself is, I'm an environmental ninja. And then that makes it into an engaging conversation, because now people are like, well, what's an environmental ninja? She's like, let me tell you what it is. Yeah, exactly. And you can say it with confidence. But that's what we do to start. 
Hmm. Okay. So you, so that's a really nice description because it seems, you know, you're helping people mm-hmm. explore what top of mind is mm-hmm. important to them and then connect to the values mm-hmm. that drive those um, those objectives within them. And then because they're values that are underneath it, mm-hmm. they're broadly applicable yep. and become a part of kind of like, you know, that these are this. These things are who I am. Yeah. Right. Well, it's the yeah. Goldilocks zone, not too mm. broad, not too fine. <laughs> it's just just right. And I mean, what I found not just with myself, but the people that I've engaged with is when you hit five out of five, you don't have a job or career. You actually hit fulfillment. And mm. the idea behind that, though, is let's say we do this exercise and they've got, you know, then they realize, you know what? I've only hit three out of five where I am in my present job. Then we go deeper to say, okay, but what's missing? Can we look at where you are? And is there a way that now you could go to your supervisor, your manager, your VP, and incorporate maybe another one of those and and say, this is something that's important to me. Can we now uh, maybe give me more responsibilities in this area to see, you know, how that works? So, you know, that's why I've said by doing this exercise, instead of going down a pathway of, you know, what you're doing on a daily basis and things, you're now questioning. And the way I describe it is you're on a train and you're heading towards a destination and you're focused on that destination. It's actually the journey that's the most important part. And by Mm -hmm. doing this exercise, I've had people realize they're not on the right train. So together Mm -hmm. we get off on the next stop and now we go down and we get them onto the right train. Mm-hmm. I see. So by by focusing on the journey, they realize that the train isn't mm-hmm. the one you want to be on because it's the experience that's more important than the destination. That's true. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, so you didn't, I'm imagining you, you that when you're like a five-year-old running around, mm-hmm. th- this wasn't like in your head. So, mm-hmm. so, so how did you come to um, sure. these kinds of understandings and where you actually said, this is what my life is going to be about. Yeah. I mean, you sort of had that usual narrative. And I spoke about this in my uh, my second TEDx speech about activating the voice within to be louder than the noise around. Hmm. So you progress through, you know, primary school, secondary school, university. You go into, you know, eventually the corporate job. And here you are in this corporate job. And the moment... I looked at it and suddenly decided the nine to five, what I was doing, I can do it, but it just doesn't seem to fit. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking, okay, so, but what is, what is it that I need that? What is it that I'm missing? So I started doing the self-reflection and it suddenly made me realize that instead of this, here's where you know I need to be. And I got into the job, the corporate job, but I got into a place that was, much more what I deem to be who I am because mm-hmm. I started thinking about that. So if I could ask you for sure. just a moment, um, you said you started doing self-reflection. Can you, yeah. what, what did that look like? What did you do differently yeah. that you weren't doing before? Well, and the, uh, I think what it was is realizing that, you know, here I am. And, and it was almost talking to myself uh, mm. to say, I'm doing this job and I've tried it and I've done it for six and a half years. It's not 
fitting. Well, at that point, five years, when I started thinking about the next iteration. But instead of just suddenly then saying, okay, I'm going to apply for this or go in this direction, I then, you know, at the five-year mark said, but before I move forward, what is it that I really want? You know, what matters to me? And that's when it Hmm. suddenly dawned on me and I started focusing. And the reflection was this inner conversation I started having with myself to say, well, here's what I am doing. It's not satisfying me, but at that point, it wasn't the clarity of of the process. Mm -hmm. I just then started saying, okay, but what makes me happy? And there you go. Yeah. All of a sudden, then the clarity emerged. And, you know, and yeah, there was a lot of pushback from people or noise that said, you know, you're not going to get there. They don't hire that type for that role. Happiness? What? What's that about? Oh, that's (laughs) Brett. I I mean, I was in a really cool job uh, in the corporation. Oh, nice. No, no, no. But my manager came up to me and said, Sam, you're going to have to ease up on your enthusiasm because there's people who don't (laughs) like their job. And, and, you know, if you're really happy, they may not really appreciate that. And I was like, wow. Okay. (laughs) Oh, wow. I know. And dial back the happiness. (laughs) So, I mean, it was fortunately, Brett, it was community relations. And what I always said is the less you see me in the office, the better job I'm doing. So I was able to be serious and a bit more controlled in the office. But the moment I walked out and and stepped into the corporate community relations piece, oh, man, I was out there skipping around. (laughs) That's so funny. I know. So funny. Yeah. So I interrupted you. You oh, were no. talking about you were talking about you know your your oh. learning and how you adapted. Yeah, no, and what this realization was, and Brett, as you can see, I I do a lot of analogies and metaphors, and you know my realization is that you know I I, w- I was wearing a suit, and now I'm a 42 regular, but I was wearing a 52 short. Mm-hmm. So I could wear this suit, but it just didn't fit. It didn't feel mm-hmm. right. The moment I started focusing on creating a tailored suit of a 42 regular, which was going to be my next iteration and job, it uh, it it really felt right now. Mm-hmm. But even though I was in a position, actually six and a half years that I that I really enjoyed, then I started doing more self reflection, and the corporation that I was working for—it's a crown corporation, so it's owned by the government, but it's a corporation. <clears throat> is, you know, they offered a buyout to all 6,000 employees. They need 850 Mm. people to leave. Wow. And yeah, because they were sort of top heavy in that realm. And I looked at it and I said, well, you know, I really like where I am and I really like my job. But through that self-reflection and talk, I was like, but, you know, here's something that just came to me was two words, comfort and uncertainty. Mm. So in this job after, you know, six and a half years, and I loved the job, I could go to work on Monday and not worry about it. It it was something that really I I enjoyed. But comfort started setting in. Now, the thing Mm. with comfort is it's something we strive for in society. But the challenge with comfort is I stopped growing as an individual. Mm -hmm. And there was something that said, you've got to venture out, you've, you've, toward the entire village, what's in the next village? What's in the, what's beyond the boundaries? Mm -hmm. The second word was uncertainty because by staying, 
with 850 people out of 6,000 leaving, you can move me where you want. By leaving, there's uncertainty. I don't have a job. And I had had 100% of the people around me, family members, my wife, everybody and, you know, colleagues said, you're making the biggest mistake of your life. Whoops. Great wages, great benefits, pension, government work, stability. You love your job. (laughs) Yeah. What's not to like, right? And if you leave, you don't have a job, but you got a severance package. But the uncertainty, as well as the comfort, took me to the edge of the cliff and I jumped off. Wow. I wanted to know what was out there. Mm. And... But it, but it wasn't just a matter of walking to the edge and saying, okay, well, see you later. And do I even have this parachute or what's in this parachute or is, is it a backpack? I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, no. I had packed the parachute myself prior to this. In other words, mm. through the self-reflection, through the understanding of who I was, I built this aspect of I've got these experiences and I've got people around me. They're not going to let me fall. Mm. Two and a half months later, I'm working on the Olympic bid committee to get the games to Vancouver in 2010. And oh my gosh, what an amazing opportunity that just I was a part of. And then later working on the university at the university where I get to engage and empower and support young people to become, Mm. you know, the dynamic individuals who have gone on in life to do great things. And that suit fit better? Oh, man, this uh, now it's multiple suits and they fit really great. (laughs) Nice. Although I've, I've exchanged the suit for a nice pair of jeans, dress shirt and casual shoes. There and, you uh, go. Exactly that. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Wow, nice. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's a lot of um, mm-hmm. that's a lot of courage to just to yep. walk away from. I mean, what you're describing is a lot of people's dreams. They would love to mm-hmm. attain an opportunity like that. Yeah. But I think you have to be prepared and know that. I, well, the bottom line, I always say, what's the worst case scenario by me taking an action, whether it was jumping off this career cliff or anything I, I embark upon, I ask myself, does anybody die or get hurt as a result of my decision? Mm-hmm. Now, there may be some inconvenience, there may be some uncertainty, uh, but nobody's going to die or get hurt. And I think we need to go forward with a level of confidence, not cockiness, but a level Mm -hmm. of confidence and work that we've done prior to this, because you've got experiences, you've got people around you that they're not going to let you fall. So how did you develop enough confidence, like you said, to Mm -hmm. like, be able to go, well, I don't know what's going to be happening here. But uh, I feel comfortable that Mm-hmm. that whatever happens, I'm going to be okay. And one of the things you referenced in that equation was I've got good people around me who aren't mm-hmm. going to let me fall. Yes. Which I which caught my attention. So it's like a part of it wasn't just your own inner capabilities, mm-hmm. but also the things that you're connected to. Yes. Those people who weren't going to let me fall are those <clears throat> relationships that I've established. It's not networking. It's relationships. Mm-hmm. It's the conversations we've had. People who are, you know, if you're struggling, they're going to be there for you. And, you know, mm. I'm surrounded by, by even back then, not as much as I've got now, but I'm surrounded by these people. If I decide tomorrow to hand in my notice to the university and leave, you know, I have a quiet confidence that everything will be okay. Mm-hmm. But also 
factored into this is the experiences you've gained. And that's why I said, it's not just a rash decision that today you say, okay, that's it, I'm gonna take this leap. I mean, the fallback was, well, my wife's working, I've got an eight and a half month severance package. I mean, when I graduated university, my first job was mopping floors and emptying rubbish bins as a janitor. So humility is a component. I don't mind rolling up my sleeve and doing the things in order to allow me to do things that, in a, that I really want to do. So mm -hmm. I don't mind rolling up my sleeves and, uh, you know, it's not about ego. It's not about any of those uh, status aspects. Mm -hmm. I go into anything and everything with an open mind, open heart and say, you know, how, how can I support other individuals, the organization that I'm part of? Uh, I've told myself, I will never be a bystander in life. Mm. And however that is, but I will never be a bystander in life. So mm -hmm. I'm going to activate and become the best at whatever you, uh, whatever the opportunity is. But the other part is the more you know who you are as an individual, the more comfort you have to know the direction you need to go. And you build towards that. Mm. So how is it that you develop the capacity to actually do this work of learning who you are like did you was this reflected in in mm -hmm. your upbringing or did mm -hmm. you seek out some kind of uh, um discipline where you mm -hmm. you engaged in an intense looking in, inwardly mm -hmm. how did that work out for you because we're, while we have a certain amount of that built into us mm -hmm. most people mm -hmm. it's not such a ready resource for people that haven't engaged in some conscious way to develop that yeah, I think I've always been a reflective individual. There were no courses. There wasn't any books. It was just <clears throat> me saying, you know, th uh, thinking about it from a standpoint of what's going to help me move forward. I mean, if I've mentored and coached so many people in life, people will often ask, well, Sam, who's your mentor? Actually, it's me. I self-mentor. Mm. Um, mm. You know, I've got 180 blog posts. Those blog posts are my thoughts, ideas, and reflections mm -hmm. that have helped me that I then project out to help other people. So mm -hmm. mine was a bit of a unique situation because mm -hmm. yeah. it was the internal conversations I had with myself to say, it, this isn't working. And back then, I mean, we never really thought about coaches. Right. This, isn't, this isn't working. How do I fix this? And mm -hmm. so I've always been a problem solver to say, okay, if, but what's not working here? And then I started visualizing and, and personal internalizing it. And that's where that five core elements piece came uh, that I now share with so many people. And the, the thing that really amazes me is how they now look at that. And when I share with them about the concepts and ideas, they're like, oh, my gosh, Sam, that makes so much sense because mm -hmm. I'm in a career or a job. But why am I in this job? And oftentimes mm -hmm. it's like you're in university, you did a finance course, you did well in it. And then you thought, okay, finance is really the area I need to be in. So you do more finance courses. Maybe you did a co-op. Then it became a uh, entry-level job in a bank and you've progressed along. And I've had people who have been 30 years in an industry say, Sam, I don't even know if I'm actually in the right field I should have been in. Right. It was out right. of con yeah. convenience mm -hmm. that I made this way. Yeah. Yes, I, I know the feeling. I wound up in the <laughs> IT for... 30 plus years and, and even though I, I really did love it and I'm still mm -hmm. involved um, 
it's not where my heart is, but still yeah. I know exactly because it's, it's like those golden handcuffs you were talking about. It's yeah. like a great job. You know, I was traveling the world, speaking at stages all over the country from Microsoft and other companies. And, you know, it's a kind of a situation a lot of people would, would really like yeah. to have. Yeah. Um, but inside of me, yeah. I'm really about the person-to-person, -person, the mindfulness, the connection to the bigger world, and, yeah. and facilitating that not only in myself but in other people as well. So I totally get that. No, totally. And and it's a it's a beautiful place when you actually hit that fulfillment piece. But the thing to keep in mind is all of those experiences were necessary to where I am today. Because if I'm mentoring and coaching young people in life and career, I mean, they when I'm when I'm standing up there and I just did a lecture yesterday, the first lecture for the semester, you know, they initially might see me up here and they're down here and I'm just going to feed them information and I'm just going to write my stuff down and <laughs> right. learn. And then I start sharing stories and all of a sudden it goes like this and they're like, mm. okay, he can relate to who we are because he's gone through this. And you've done a lot of work with this, I, this notion of telling stories. Yes. So, I mean, how is it that this, that that came into your sure. your focus as something you needed to focus on as an expertise. Yeah. I mean, it's always like whenever I've spoken anywhere, I was always using stories and analogies. <clears throat> and then in 2011, I was asked to speak at TEDx SFU. That was the first TEDx that I was asked to do. And I thought, well, you know, storytelling, I think, is something I enjoy. And then people said, you know, you tell great stories. How can I tell stories? And I was like, I never mm. really broke it down. Mm -hmm. And then I started saying, okay, what are the things that I do? And then the talk was entitled Discovering the Extraordinary Out of the Ordinary. So mm -hmm. what the idea was, our life is an autopilot. You know, we go through life. Everything is ordinary. But embedded in the ordinary are these tremendously extraordinary experiences. And the way mm -hmm. we captured it is through a concept I created called uh, Carpe, as in Carpe Diem. But Carpe is what I do to share how you can build and create your stories. CARPE stands for curiosity, appreciation, reflection, perspectives, experience. So when you go through life in a very curious nature, something stops you. And you start looking at something because it stopped you. Hmm. Appreciation is whatever stopped you, you start appreciating it for more or different than what it actually is. So something just catches your attention. Your, exactly. And so it's got your attention and then, and you, then appreciate. You, you appreciate it because it stopped you. And then you start reflecting on it. And what is it and why am I stopped? And, and you start adding purpose and meaning to it. And then your perspectives comes in because of your experiences and everything you've gained up to this point and you add more purpose and meaning to it. And then you capture it as an experience. And then if you don't capture it as an experience, your story dies an untimely death. I'll give you an example. <laughs> um, so a, a, number, a few years back, I was going to the university. I was, you know, just as I was walking towards the door to go into the building, I noticed that the door was propped open with a wooden wedge doorstop. Mm -hmm. And I stopped because I saw this wooden wedge doorstop. There's my curiosity. It stopped me. And I looked at it because I'm thinking, and then that's the appreciation. You know, we go through these doors just, you know, but we never really appreciate or understand that doorstop and what it's doing. 
So hmm. I started, I was standing there and I started reflecting. So there's the R. So uh, curiosity, appreciation, appreciating that doorstop for more than what it is. And I started reflecting, you know, what is it that that doorstop is doing? It's a wooden wedge, something simple, but it's holding the door. And through perspectives, it suddenly helped me realize, you know, there are people in my lives that held the door open for me in my life and career. They are my, mm. they're my doorstops, but I'd never call them a doorstop, but they're my doorstops mm-hmm. that have held the door open for me. And then the experience was cataloging and capturing it. Now, think of it this way. It's a simple wooden wedge doorstop that's ordinary. Right. But I've made that extraordinary because it, it just really reminded me of the people who were there on my journey to hold the door open for me. That's mm-hmm. a simple example of the extraordinary mm-hmm. and the ordinary. I see. So, so just mm-hmm. the simple things in life, and then focusing on them, and they become metaphors for totally. our bigger life. Totally, yeah. and the relatedness. Yeah. But, but the challenge, Brett, is we go through life in autopilot. We, we, mm-hmm. you know, go to work. We, we walk to school. Whatever. What if you took a different route today? What if you right. uh, decided to take the stairs instead of the elevator? Uh, instead of you know, just sitting in the lunchroom, what if you went for a walk? What is it that you can see? What is it that maybe changes things up that you're like, wow, okay, wait a minute. I never saw this, you know, creek sitting by, you know, right near our office. I didn't even know it existed. Yeah, those are so important. Because, I mean, even just the neurological from neuroplasticity, yep. the, the research showing that just doing those habits of, if you make it a habit just to change things up, yep. Not only does it open you up to new, it opens you up to new experiences, but it's good for your brain because mm-hmm. you start to discover, like you say, new experiences, and you and it takes you out of this, of uh, the other language they would use in mindfulness is the automatic mode network, where you're yeah. just kind of going through yeah. the same repetitive patterns over and over again. Well, and uh, I always suggest that uh, people should have an outlet. I mean, for me, mm-hmm. my outlet is my writing as well as mm-hmm. woodworking. I mean, a year and a probably a year and a bit, our house is going through major renovations and our designers said, okay, in this feature wall, we're going to put this Ikea table here. And I looked at her and I said, no, I'm going to make my own table. And next thing you know, oh yeah, no, made my table. And, uh, you know, it's a beautiful console table, but I can't stop now. I just, you know, I've been, uh, (laughs) I just made a seven and a half foot coffee table, a six and a half foot coffee table. I make charcuterie boards. Um, I make uh, bathtub caddies, all of these things in my garage. But here's the important reason and why is I've got about 12 projects I'm working on. Now, they're not distinct and separate. They layer into each other, but they are 12. But the moment I go out into my garage and I start doing woodworking, I have freed myself from all my commitments. And some of my best ideas emerge when I'm spending three hours working Mm. on, on creating something because it is allowing my mind to then just say, while I'm sanding for two hours, to say, you know, this lecture's coming up on perspectives. What's a what's a really great way that I can share this with my students so that they benefit by it? And uh, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, perspectives. And then you're like, wait, okay, what about this? And then next thing you know, two, three hours have passed. I don't even know where the time's gone. Mm-hmm. Well, what a great physical metaphor sanding you yep. know polishing yep. the ideas so that they surface in your 
in your mm-hmm. awareness. It's like it's a it's a, a beautiful activity. Yeah, that's so great to find some kind of a way to mm-hmm. engage a creative process that yeah. has the contemplative, creative and artistic aspect to yeah. it. And it, I mean, um, it could be yoga. It could be cooking. It could be a walk. Uh, whatever allows you to just stop what you're doing and just clear your mind and what mm-hmm. makes you happy. I mean, it's a, it's such a, a beautiful place to be. Mm, lovely. That's amazing. So you've got two books, as <laughs> I understand from you. Yeah. Can you tell us uh, what they are? Sure. The first book came out of my first TEDx speech, which was Discover the Extraordinary in the Ordinary, and it's on personal storytelling. And how can you now build stories? Because everybody has a story. Mm-hmm. And the second book is, uh, so in that first book was one story that I, it, it's a beautiful story that I needed to write in full context, which was, I'm a British born Canadian. My parents are from Fiji islands and my grandfathers mm-hmm. come from India. So physically I look like I'm Indian and all too often people would ask, what part of India are you from? And I'm like, well, I'm mm-hmm. born in England, raised in Canada. They're like, <laughs> <You're right. laughs> no, 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 your parents, what part of India? And I said, well, my parents are from Fiji. And they're like, wait, are you Indian? <laughs> wait, you're, this isn't fitting somehow. <laughs> no. And then others who will be like, well, no, you're not Indian, you're Canadian. So I grew You're a thoroughly up. modern citizen, in other words. Totally. <laughs> and the idea was that... Um, we had been separated from our ancestral roots, my grandfather's mm-hmm. house. And I thought, you know what, I am going to go on a journey. And I went mm-hmm. on a journey to India for the very first time with my wife to experience India, to find my grandfather's house. Now, oh. all I had was this faded photograph. Oh, my. Very little yeah. information. And it's like a three and a half by three and a half picture, dingy, faded of some people there. Hard for me to picture who they are, but that's all I had to go by, as well as the name of the village, the town it's nearby, and the district. Okay. So I, I went to India in search of my ancestral roots, and it's like being a foreigner going to a land that shouldn't be foreign to me while mm. searching for a needle in a haystack, but not knowing where the haystack was. Hmm. I was able to, and the book is called Lost and Found, Seeking the Past, Finding Myself, because it was also about my own identity, because the Indian identity in me was always to the side. I mean, part of it was emerging, but it really wasn't part of my life. Mm -hmm. And by going to India, the way I describe it is there's a tali, and a tali is this platter with segmented dishes. So British, Indian, Fijian, Canadian... Now, I played Hmm. for 11 years in an Irish military pipe band, so there's an Irish chutney on the side as well. (laughs) But everything was separated and segmented. Well, by going to India, it made me realize that uh, instead of segmenting, I'm a rice dish called kichiri. Kichiri is Hmm. a blend of flavors. It's, uh, It's a rice dish with vegetables, and you add your spices and everything. It's the equivalent of making an omelet, and you just sort of blend it all, and I just appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And then it was about finding my ancestral roots with my grand, uh, my grandfather's house with that faded photograph. And again, spoiler alert, I found my <laughs> grandfather's house, but that's mm. not the part. It's the journey that I went on to find it. Sure. That is the significant part. But I needed to do this. And I had Ziploc bags in my pocket because mm. I was persistent. While there was a lot of obstacles... 
I said, this is something I really want to do. And I, when I found my grandfather's house, I went to the fields, I scooped up dirt, and I brought it home to my family because they had never been to India, never had seen mm-hmm. the village. But I thought, you know what, let me bring the village back to you. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. Where's the dirt now? Uh, there's some of it right here in this. Little, there we go. <laughs> it's in there, but I've also given it to a number of my family members, and uh, mm. they all hold a piece of the village. Yeah. And so in doing that, do you feel like that that helped you complete some mm-hmm. circuit in you in some yeah, way? Absolutely. It. It's like I went to India to find my my Indian roots type of thing or you know, my, my Indian culture, but it made me realize I was always Indian. It, mm-hmm. it, it made me feel like, you know what, this is another part of me that, you know, I, I never really appreciated, but now I really do appreciate. So it, it just all came to the forefront. Hmm. Yeah. So beautiful. And, mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of, uh, once again, uh, the theme in your life, is, and one mm-hmm. of the themes is, you know, stepping out and doing something in a fairly courageous way to connect the dots. It's like, it's yeah. like something in you that's like, I know there's more and I'm going to go find it and I'm not going to stop until I do. No, and, and to your point, Brett, I think part of it is I'm an individual and this has emerged. Part of it is because of those five core elements and the things I've done is I thrive in ambiguity and uncertainty. It's it's like that's the part place that people fear, but I embrace it. Uh, That's Mm. where the magic really happens. Mm, I totally agree with you there. It's like beautiful to be able to embrace the the unfolding moment, you know, because you never know what it's going to be. And uh, so that's that's so powerful. I really appreciate your incredible story and the person that you are and the courage that you're bringing to life and the way that you're passionate about helping others explore mm-hmm. how to ground in meaning for themselves. How do people find you if they mm-hmm. wanted to engage with you or, or hear more about what you're doing? Sure. So, I mean, I've got a website with about 180 blog posts. It's all available for people to see. So it's www.sam-thiara.com. That's also where my book's available, speaking and all of that. But I'm also on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Okay. I'll be sure to link to all of that in the show notes. Sure. And um, I want to encourage listeners to check it out because this is quite an amazing uh, person that I'm dealing with here, Sam, and, and a big soul and an old soul mm-hmm. who's doing great work in the world. So thank you so much for showing up on our podcast. I really appreciate it and wish you the best. Well, thank you, Brett. And just even somebody like you who's giving an opportunity for, you know, you never know who's listening. You never know who is going to be inspired by something and their perspectives and focus may change as a result of who you are as an individual and allowing people like me to come in and and share. It's it's just the work we do. So thank you so much. Take care. Thank you, Brett. So that's a wrap on today's edition of the Language of Mindfulness podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. If so, please leave us a review on iTunes and follow along on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. We'd really appreciate it. And check us out at languageofmindfulness.com where you can sign up for a free coaching session. And because we get so many questions on this, you can access how to start a mindfulness meditation practice at languageofmindfulness.com forward slash now. Thanks a ton, and we're looking forward to a lot of great new content coming up as well. Have a great one, and stay present.